Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Thank you, everybody, for singing out to our God and giving Him praise and worship. Uh, Last week, we had Easter Sunday, and we left with the uh, commission of Jesus. He said at the very end of Matthew, He said, uh, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all my commandments. And behold... Look, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That, uh, that message uh, tried to bring it home, the idea that, that Jesus is the Lord of all. He's the sovereign. He's the King of kings. He is in control of this world. And we should give our lives to Him. We should bow down to Him. We should serve Him. He... Uh, He revealed His power, He revealed His glory, He revealed His status as sovereign of the world, and then He said, go. In other words, He said, serve me. Go, build my kingdom. Serve me. Go, make disciples. Serve me. He was this command, this this sense of, you work for me now. Serve me in this life. Uh, last, last Sunday, I, I wish I would have had more time, as it's, 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 it's always, as any preacher, one thing leads to another, and, and I left feeling like, oh, I wonder if there's some people that were asking the question, or, or maybe they were making the statement in their minds, yeah, a preacher said that I'm supposed to serve God, but a preacher doesn't know my sins. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of people that, that hear that, that, that message of Jesus, that we're called to be his ambassadors. We're called to be his ministers. We're called to be his servants in the world. We're called to bless people. We're called to uh, uh, go in Jesus' name. But a lot of people, I think, they look at their life and, and they, they, they step back and they say, well, that's probably good for everybody else, but I've had too many failures. Or I've had too many mistakes in my life. Or I've sinned too much. And, and uh, maybe God could use other people, but he can't use me. And I really wanted to speak to that last Sunday, and I was, I was leaving like, oh, because I, I know how maybe you are here today, and, and maybe you've had some things happen in your past that you're like, no, no, Jesus can't use me. I, I, I'm not acceptable enough. I haven't reached a high enough level. I haven't arrived in my faith yet, and, uh, and uh, I'm just not ready to be used. Uh, in, in, very interesting, after the sermon in first service, a gal that was baptized in first service, she said she, she waited years and years and years to get baptized because she didn't think she had become mature enough. She, she waited years and years to get baptized because she thinks she hadn't arrived. And that happens again and again and again in the church. People that are gifted by God, uh, blessed by God with, with His empowerment, with the Spirit, they, they step back and, and, and they, say, they say, I'm not ready to be used. I'm not ready to be a servant of Jesus. And, and I tell you, you are. But let me explain why. Uh, another way to say it is, you guys, I don't want your sense of your past to control you. 
to put you in a box, to tell you that you're not good enough, to tell you that you aren't worthy enough to serve him, because God says you're worthy enough to serve him. God has made you a minister of Jesus Christ. One of the values here at our church is that every member is a minister. And so everybody has been gifted in skills, skilled and, and blessed by God to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, uh, but, but have you sinned too much? Have you been bad enough in the past that God can't use you? That's the sermon question today. Please open your Bibles. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Uh, before we read the text for today, I, I do need to set this up a little bit. Like, uh, uh, It's hard to come into the middle of the book sometimes and understand all that's going on. And if you've done some Bible reading in 2 Corinthians, you might have found it difficult in some ways to understand what he's saying. Because he's, he's talking to a group of people in Corinth that he's making an argument with. And sometimes reading this, we're like, what is he talking about? What is he saying? Well, uh, before he wrote this letter, he wrote a harsh letter to the people in Corinth. There are some people living in sin, some Christians, some brothers, uh, who are just uh, living in worldly ways. And he called them out on it. He called them out. He said, that's not right. And so there's a faction in Corinth that he's writing to that's upset with him, that is criticizing him. And there's some, what he calls, so-called super apostles, some false teachers that have come into Corinth, and, and they're adding fuel to the fire and saying, no, Paul doesn't, he's not a good minister, he's not powerful enough, he's not you know, forceful enough, his preaching isn't strong enough, he, he doesn't have good speech. There's all kinds of reasons they're giving that he isn't a good minister. And so as we read this, in the context of asking the question, can I minister in Jesus' name? Can I serve Jesus even with my past? Think, li listen to Paul's motives here. And listen to how he, he senses God's call upon his life and what Jesus wants him to do. So verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to, boast about, cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, and if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ooh, there is a lot in that passage. May God bless the reading of his word to us. So let's talk first about uh, Paul's motives as he understands ministry. This might help you in your, your understanding of ministry and in your motives. Uh, again, I, I, as, as every preacher, I wish I had a lot more time. Uh, you're probably thankful I don't have more time, but uh, I wish I could do longer sermons uh, because some of these passages, they're connected together. In chapter 5, verse 10, uh, Paul uh, spoke about the general resurrection of all people. The general resurrection of all people, meaning that we're all going to stand before God. We're all going to stand before God's judgment, judgment seat. And so in verse 11, that's what he starts with. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. There was a time when Paul looked at people in a certain way. He looked at uh, maybe their, their social status, maybe he looked at the, their bank account, maybe he looked at their ethnicity, uh, but as he says a little bit later, no more. Now he sees people that are going to stand before God. He sees souls. Knowing that everyone's going to be resurrected and everybody's going to be judged by God, he says our motive is to persuade people. Our motive is to persuade people to give their life to Jesus Christ. Our motive is to persuade people, to see people come to Christ. So we preach, we teach, we call people to come to Him. Not only are we persuaded uh, in, in that, that sense of, of needing to preach the gospel, but we ourselves, knowing that we're going to stand before God, not, not to be judged by, for our sins, but we're going to be evaluated in our works before the Lord. Are, are we pleasing to Him in how we live? Are we honoring Him? Are we showing reverence to Him by obeying His commands? Knowing that we're going to stand before Him, man, we seek to persuade others. But what we are, in verse 11, is, is known to God, and I hope it's also known to your conscience. So He's getting at the heart of it. We don't do this for our pride. We don't do this for our ego. Our ego. God sees us. And, and so he, He's speaking to that faction in Corinth. He's, he, he's, he, he's getting criticized by them that, Paul is, is not doing things by the right motives. He's saying, God sees our heart. I hope you see, see our heart too. We're doing this in sincerity and authenticity. We really mean what we're doing. We're, we're not uh, trying to trick anybody or fool anybody. I hope it's clear to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again by giving you cause to boast about, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast by outward appearances. So the super apostles... False teachers, the Jewish Christians who have come to Corinth and are saying, yes, believe in Jesus, but they're also saying you need to keep the law to be saved. Paul's, Paul's saying they judge everything by outward appearance. They put their pride in speaking ability, in their homiletics, in, in the way they teach. They put their pride in that. They put their pride in their letters of resume. This is who we are. We've been skilled and talented in this way. We have all these testimonies from other churches. They're putting their, 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 their reputation, their, their, their ministry, uh, judged by outward appearances. And Paul's saying, no, you know, those people are judging things. They're judging me. They're saying I'm not the minister that I should be because I don't, I'm not skilled like they are. He's saying, look at the heart. 
Again, look at the motives. Uh, we want you to see that we're going after people in the name of Jesus Christ sincerely and authentically. We want them to be saved. And, and so boast about that. You know, boasting about yourself, boasting about how your resume or, or your seminary degree or boasting about this, this kind of thing or that kind of thing, what they're doing is wrong. If you're going to boast about anything, boast about sincere and authentic ministry from the heart. And then he says in verse 13, it's kind of interesting, for if we are beside ourselves, some of your translations say if, you're, if we're out of our minds. <laughs> if we're out of our minds, for beside ourselves, it is for God. Now, uh, he was being accused of being kind of a, a fruitcake because he would put himself at risk. He would travel to preach to these villages and these places where he'd get beat up. He'd travel to places where his life was threatened. He would, he would put himself out there again and again, uh, taking risk upon risk upon his life. And people said, Paul must be crazy. Paul must be out of his mind. And so Paul says, no, I'm, I'm not crazy, but if it seems like I'm out of my mind, no, it's for Jesus Christ. No, I'm devoted to the Lord. No, I'm serving Him, even if it, even if it seems crazy to the people of the world. Uh, you know, sometimes when, when people see us uh, as, as, and we're really sincere about Jesus and we're, we're loving Jesus and we're putting ourselves in, a, in positions that worldly people wouldn't, sometimes people say, why are you doing that? And, and when, when people, sometimes they, they question um, stepping out for Jesus or taking risks for Jesus, usually that's a sign to me that they haven't met Jesus because they would never risk anything for someone that isn't their Lord. The Apostle Paul says, no, we, we go everywhere for Jesus. We, we do everything for Jesus. We risk life and limb for Jesus because he's our God and he's worthy. So, so his, his motivation, his heart there, um, it's all for Jesus. If we're in our right mind, if you think we're doing what we should do, well, no, it's for you. He's, he's speaking to this, this group of people that is attacking him and attacking his ministry. And he says, ba you know, basically, I do ministry because I love you. I care for you. I want the best for you. And I want Jesus to be exalted, the Lord to be worshipped. And then we move on to verse 14. Uh, 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 probably the core motive in Paul's ministry, why he does what he does. Let me read that again, verses 14 and 15. And again, listen to what, what motivates Paul, what drives him. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So this passage is kind of like John 3.16, God so loved the world, that kind of that lyric we sung a little while ago. <clears throat> Jesus died for all. He gave his life for the world. He gave his life in sacrifice so that people would be saved. Uh, this this that, that Paul points out, he says, Jesus has died for all, therefore all has died. And, and what, what does that mean? He's, he's probably alluding back to Romans 5, where he's talking about, where he talks about, in Adam all have died, all have come into sin, all have passed away, but in Jesus all have been made new. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
What he's teaching there, it's, it's not a universalism. It's not that all come to life. He's saying Jesus has died for all, therefore all that are in him. All who have trusted him in the context, it becomes clear. All who have trusted him, all who have given him their life, they have also died. Meaning that as we trust in Jesus, we're united to his death. We're united to his life. We, we come into Christ and we've died to our sins. We, we, we've died to the past. We're free from the past. We're free from the things that controlled us because now we're in Christ. He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Now here's the motivation. But for him who for their sake died and was raised. Jesus died for all the believers, all who are in Christ. And Paul's saying, man, we who live now, we who have been saved, we who have been rescued, we who have been redeemed, we shouldn't live for ourselves anymore. We should live for Jesus. His, his motivation, his, his logic, like God has given us everything. He's, he's given us freedom from the wrath of God. He's given us freedom from the judgment, the condemnation because of our sins. He's given us blessing upon blessing. He's given us eternal life. <clears throat> he did it through Jesus' death. And if Jesus died for us to give us all those blessings... How can we live for self anymore? How can we live that, as if we're on the throne, as if everybody owes us everything? How can, we, how, how can we live as if the world revolves around us and that everybody owes us everything? No. Now in Jesus, because of what He's done, we should live for Him. In our business, in our marriage, in our family, in our school, in all the different spheres of society, we should live for the Lord Jesus Christ. His heart is, uh, is passionate about that, his motives. And, and then he moves into verse 16. And, and here we start getting into some of the theology and the reasoning why we as sinners who have been saved can serve Jesus. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Uh, the Apostle Paul, before he met Jesus, was a prideful man. Saul uh, thought a lot, about, a lot about himself. He thought he had achieved a righteousness of his own. He thought he uh, was acceptable by, to God because of his good works. He thought he... He had achieved everything uh, on his own. And so when he says there about uh, we regard no one according to the flesh, he's, he's talking about himself. In other words, he's saying, unlike the false teachers in Corinth who are teaching you to trust in your own righteousness, the doctrine of, of uh, Jesus plus something, I'm going to trust in Jesus plus I'm going to work my way to heaven. He's saying instead of that, instead of that thinking, we don't regard things from a worldly perspective anymore, an earning perspective, a, a living for self perspective. No, we regard things differently now. And, and, and let me show you what, what he's talking about, just so you, I, I make myself clear. Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3. 
verse 2, where he describes what true righteousness is and where it comes from. Now, this is a different, a different letter, of course, but it's, it's much the same people with the same agenda. And he says to them there, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So they practice circumcision and they taught that you are saved by keeping the law. For we are the circumcision. He's talking about Christians who have trusted in Jesus alone, have received the spiritual circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. That's very important, put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. So now he goes down this line. Hey, those, those false teachers, those false apostles, those super apostles as they call themselves, they're so full of themselves. They put so much confidence in what they've done, what they've accomplished, their pedigree, their history, their heritage. Well, if they have reasons for such confidence, I have more. <laughs> Basically what he says. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Verse 5, circumcised in the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. <clears throat> the false teachers, the works righteousness people, they were claiming that they had earned their own righteousness, their own standing with God. They claimed that they had become acceptable to God by what they had done. And Paul says, yeah, I played that game before too. I walked down that path before too. I thought I was, I thought I was all that. I thought I had achieved righteousness with God. I thought I had earned standing with God. And, and he said, but then I met Jesus Christ. Then I met God. I realized that everything that I thought I had built, all my achievements, all my, my resume, my spiritual resume, I realized it was all rubbish. It wasn't worth nothing. When I met Jesus, He gave me righteousness. He gave me standard. He gave me peace with God, acceptance before God through His works and through His works alone. <clears throat> and so going back to our main passage, chapter 5, verse 16, from now on. So what he's talking about there, uh, since Jesus died and was raised, since I was converted, since I became a Christian, when I met Jesus on that Damascus road, I've learned not to regard anyone by outward appearances, by their spiritual so-called resume of their achievements and their works. Even though we once regarded Christ according to flesh, we do so no longer. So even when, when before he became a Christian, how did he view Jesus? He said, a Messiah looks like this, a Messiah looks like this, 
Messiah does this, but Jesus is not that. <laughs> Paul judged Jesus as a false Messiah before he met Jesus because he couldn't conceive of a suffering Messiah, a suffering Savior. He, couldn't, he didn't have a category for that. He thought a Messiah was going to be a champion, an all-powerful you know, uh, conqueror. So we used to judge Jesus by worldly standards, but no longer. Now we see things differently. Righteousness in standing before God does not come through your works. It comes by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. <clears throat> Pastor, I, I hear what you're saying about serving people and about serving Jesus Christ, but <clears throat> frankly, the things I've done in my past, they were evil and wicked. And Pastor, there's no way Jesus could use me. Pastor, if you knew all my failures and all the ways I've let people down and all the ways I've hurt people, you know that Jesus couldn't use me as an ambassador. Jesus couldn't use me as a minister of the gospel. He couldn't use me in ministry. Paul is saying, yeah, I used to have that understanding too. I used to think that being used by God, called by God, serving God depending on, on, on me being perfect enough or me, me being good enough. But Paul says, listen to me. If anyone is in Christ, if you've turned your life over to Jesus, if you bowed the knee to Jesus, if you surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you repented of your sins and turned to Jesus, you are a new creation. Your past doesn't define you. Your past sins don't control you. Your failures don't make you who you are today. You have been made new in Jesus Christ. And it's not just that God looks at you through the filter of Jesus and sees someone who's cleansed, someone who's been made right. This means you've been made new. We're talking about regeneration. We're talking about new life. Brothers and sisters, you are God's workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 Created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You were lost. God found you. He made you alive in Christ. You're not who you were anymore. A new creation means that you've been regenerated. You've, you've been made something you weren't. From God's perspective, the old is gone. From God's perspective, the new has come. And that changes everything. The world still might remember 15 years ago when you did such and such. There might be family members that won't let you forget about what you did 15 years ago when you did such and such. But God has forgiven you. God has made you new. He's called you to a new life. You are a new creation. The old has gone. 
and the new has come. What, what does that look like? Uh, let's l- listen to a, another explanation from Paul. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Verse 3. I'm, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that you are called to serve and you can serve Jesus because of who you are now. Verse 3, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of the works done by us in righteousness, that's the outward appearance thing that Paul's been talking about. Not by uh, our legalistic works, not uh, because we went to seminary and got a degree, not because we were sinless for three days or something like that, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so Paul is speaking there about, man, what we were before. We hated people. We lived in malice. We lived in envy. We were worldly people. There's no way that, that we were ready to serve God. But then when He regenerated us, when He sent the Spirit into our life, He made us alive again. Now, by His grace, we can serve We can be His people. We can be used for His glory and for His fame, for His honor. The past is gone. Maybe from your perspective, it seems like it's right there. And maybe some people aren't letting you forget about it. But from Jesus' perspective, you're good to go. The old is gone. The new has come. And, And again, to clarify a little bit more, what's gone Psalm 103, Psalm 103, verse 12. And this, you guys, is a good one to memorize. And again, I I did to you Rose last service too, but look up at verse 11. For as high, Psalm 103, verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You might feel guilty still. You might feel like you're just a miserable sinner still. But in Christ, God doesn't look at you that way anymore. From his perspective, your sins have been moved as far as the east is from the west. He's done with them. For him, they're past tense. For him, they've forgotten because they've already been all paid by Jesus on the cross. Jesus has already been judged for them. Jesus has already died for them. They're gone. You have been made new. You are a new creation, regenerated, ready to go. But pastor, but nothing. Jesus has made you His. He's purchased you with His blood. He's called you to ministry. He's called you to serve Him. 
There are certain positions, of course. Uh, uh, there's, there's some stipulations on church leadership where, where there's some high expectations for character and holiness. But every person in Jesus Christ is called to serve. We're all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse uh, 18 in 2 Corinthians. Verse 18 in 2 Corinthians. All this is from God, Paul says. Now he's, he's talking again to the Corinthians. Hey, my heart, my motives... My calling, it's all from God. His transformation of me, he's, given, he's brought me into a new state of being. I'm alive now. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He has to say it twice so it'll sink in. God initiated salvation. God initiated your reconciliation to himself. Reconciliation, the closest word to that is atonement, at one with. God sought to bring you in harmony back to himself. You were alienated. Before you met Jesus Christ, you were alienated from God. You were separated from God. You, 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 you pushed yourself away from God in your sins, in your brokenness, in your wickedness, in your evil, your self-centered choices. You pushed God away. But God so loved the world, God so loved you, that he pursued you. God sought to reconcile you to himself, and his agent was Jesus Christ. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. In Christ, God was reconciling you to himself. And I know before you met Jesus, there was times where, where, where you didn't want to be in God's presence. You, you, you didn't want to be in His holy presence. You, you would avoid church. You'd avoid people talking about God. You'd, you'd avoid uh, being anywhere that was holy or whatever because you felt guilty and you felt ashamed or you felt angry at God or whatever. But God initiated this reconciliation plan, this redemption plan where He came to you in Jesus Christ. He came to you in His Spirit and He called your name called you to be saved. The conviction of sin came upon you when you heard the gospel preached. He brought you to himself and he did it through Jesus, the reconciler. You are one who has been regenerated and you are one who has been reconciled. What does reconciliation mean? means you've been brought back into God's good graces by the blood of Jesus, by the sacrifice of Christ. Again, He's removed your guilt in Jesus. He's removed the wrath of God in Jesus. He's removed any barrier that you might have. It's all been paid for. It's all been dealt with. It's all been taken care of through your faith in Jesus. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and just to drive home the point, so you, you think I'm not just talking about, you know, just the average sins and the common sins that have been dealt with by the cross. I, wanna, I want to point you again to the Apostle Paul and, and think about his perspective on things. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. How did he look at himself? How did he see himself? How did he perceive himself, and did he qualify himself from the ministry? 
because of who he was. No. Chapter 1 of Timothy, verse 12. And this is something we can all say in our own way. Praise God for in our own way. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly, what's your formerly? Were you an adulterer? Were you a liar? Were you a thief? Were you what? Paul says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, you know, Jesus said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul was attacking the church of Jesus. Saul put to death Christians. That's a pretty strong formerly. An insolent opponent. Some of your translations say an arrogant man, a prideful opponent of the church. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. (laughs) You see, if Paul carried your mentality into ministry, he would have never gone into ministry. He saw himself as the foremost, the chief of sinners, the, the wickedest of the wickedness. And, and if he would have said, well, Jesus, thank you for your call. I just can't because I'm not good enough. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that he saves even the chief of sinners. And he saves even those who have fallen short like you have and I have. And he calls us to serve him. It's an act of grace. We're called in grace. None of us measure up. None of us have arrived at that level that we deserve to do ministry. We're all called by grace to do ministry because Jesus wants us to. Uh, When he says there, uh, the saying is trustworthy, verse 15, in deserving a full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. I, I wonder if you could put your name there. Uh, I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me, and the, the foremost, Jesus Christ might d- display his perfect patience as, a, as an example for those who are to believe in him for eternal life. And, and then he goes into another doxology, another praise of God. If Paul says, uh, who I am, God used me, brothers and sisters, don't you ever put yourself down and say that, that, uh, that uh, Jesus can't use you You've been redeemed, you've been been regenerated, you've been reconciled. God has done all the work. God has given you his stamp of approval. He's saying, you're ready to go. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus said. Now go and make disciples. In other words, build my kingdom. Now live for me. Serve me with all that you are and all that you have. You qualify in Jesus Christ. You qualify in the Lord. Uh, Pastor Bo, I think it was sometime last year, maybe it's been 16 months by now, but, but he preached in Colossians, kind of a, a parallel verse. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Just to drive home the point. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Think about reconciliation in your life. And you, verse 21, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Jesus was the agent. 
He went to that cross to bring you back to God. He went to that cross to bring you back to God. <clears throat> Don't you deny Him. He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. You might not feel like you're acceptable to God. You might not feel like you're good enough for God. But from God's perspective, you are. He sees you as holy. He sees you as someone who's ready to go. He sees someone who's been purified, who's been cleansed, who's been, who's been given a new start. Don't let your sins reign over your life, your past sins. Don't let your past failures reign over your life. Don't let your past inadequacies or senses of inadequacies, your, your sense of uh, inability control you. Don't let those things reign over your life. Let Jesus reign over your life. And do what He says. Obey what He says. Trust in what He says, not what the world says or what you think it should be like. In a moment, we're going to take communion. And I'd ask you to prepare your heart for that. If you've been living as a prideful person, if you've been living in sin, repent. Repentance just isn't a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. The turning back to the Lord, agreeing with the Lord that maybe my thinking hasn't been right, my behavior hasn't been right, my way of living hasn't been right. <clears throat> verse 20, and uh, this is Paul, in chapter 5, verse, verse 20. But I want you to think about your life this way. Therefore, based upon all that God has done, He's given us a new state, a new status, a new standing. Based upon all that God has done, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you, and here's a sample of His message. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. <clears throat> we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And we were lost, but now we've been found. And now we carry the message to people I was a sinner. I was broken. I had no righteousness of my own that would stand before God. But God reconciled me. He redeemed me. He regenerated me. And now I urge you to be reconciled to God, to turn to Jesus Christ and be saved. And uh, that's our ministry and our calling. Verse 21, and let this be our communion devotion. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, Paul sums up his motive, his heart, his calling, his passion, his sense of ministry. He says, for our sake, God made Him, Jesus, to act like sin in our place. Now, be very careful here. Jesus was never a sinner. Jesus uh, was never a sinner, but God gave Him our sins to bear. He's our sin bearer. God made him to be sin who knew no sin. He was sinless. He was perfect. He was without error or evil or wickedness. God made him to stand in our place so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, some people, they live their whole life trying to build up a righteousness before God. God, accept me into your heaven because I'm good enough. I went to church all my life. I sacrificed so much. I, I, I did so much for your name. 
haven't I achieved that righteous standing? And Paul says, no, that's not the way to be saved. God so loved us that Jesus took our sins upon Him. He died in our place. And when we trust in Him, we're forgiven of our sins. But more than that, we're not just brought into a neutral place. We are given the righteousness of God. We're given that alien righteousness from Romans chapter 1. We're given a new standing by God. It's not that we're just forgiven and we're brought to a neutral place. There's a great exchange that's happened. Your sin was given to Jesus and God gave Jesus' righteousness to you. That is the grace of God. And so we don't have to earn salvation. We don't have to make our own righteousness because now we've been justified, declared righteous in God's sight because of Jesus Christ and the imputed righteousness from Him. Would the deacons please come forward? Thank you. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. Ask that these sacraments remind us of, of all that you've done for us so that we can live with you forever and be forgiven. We pray that we go throughout the world now and uh, spread the gospel and show your love to everyone. In Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So we remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread, He gave thanks for it, And he broke it. And he probably shocked everyone in attendance around that table. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He wanted to communicate that in a few hours he was going to go to the cross and he was going to give himself away so that they could have life. And he wanted them from there on to remember that they had a righteousness not their own, but from Him. And after the supper, He took a cup. He said, this is the new covenant in My blood, the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of Me. He called the church from that point forward to remember that uh, it was His death that brought us life. And what I've tried to communicate today is because you've been brought to life in Jesus' name, you were called to serve and go. He has given you a status and a standing and a place to build His kingdom and change the world. We are all sent because we've all been justified by Christ. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. 
you can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.